0: It's here. We made it. Holy cow, finally. The greatest weekend of the year. It's state championship weekend across the state of Montana. And I say that because all you people get so twisted up. You say bobcats and grizzlies, grizzlies and bobcats, cat grizz, grizz cat. Hey, it's the greatest rivalry in the West. It ain't the Brawl of the Wild. I live in a city, not the wild. (laughs) Missoula is a metropolitan area. Bozeman is also a metropolitan area. I know small by national standards, but we certainly don't live in the wild. This is the Jack London novel. But it is the greatest showdown in college football, in my opinion, and absolutely the best rivalry in the Big Sky Conference. Of course, Nuana's. you can always find Big Sky Breakdowns at SkylineSportsMT.com. We will crown a state champion at the Big Sky Conference collegiate level. This weekend in Montana, the 120th rendition of the Bobcats and the Grizzlies taking place, Washington Grizzly Stadium. Bobcats gunning for their fifth win in six trips to Missoula. The only time Montana has won over the last 11 years in The Garden City back in 2014, the infamous game in which Montana State quarterback Jake Bleskin threw five interceptions, but the Bobcats have won four in a row. They've also won two in a row here in Missoula, 2016 and 2018. Last time this game played out here in the Garden City, one of the most unbelievable endings you will ever see. Some people call it the stuff. Some people call it the miracle in Missoula. It was definitely one of the most ridiculous and unbelievable, shocking, thrilling, unpredictable endings you'll ever see. Definitely one I was very fortunate to have watched. In this Big Sky Breakdown, of course you'll hear from the main man, Ty Gregorak, a guy who coached in 15 of these rivalry games, 12 at Montana, 3 at Montana State, and he was on the winning side almost every single time. He will join us to break down the seasons to this point for both schools, as well as some of the matchups. Brooks Nwana at SkylandSportsMT.com also joins us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. And we'll diagnose all of our key matchups and go position group by position group. Who has the advantage in terms of in the personnel element of this game? Then we're going to hear from Sam Herder, Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports. He's the number one dude covering this stuff on a national level, doing a phenomenal job. And he's on his way to Missoula for the Bobcat-Cris game. So can't wait to see Sam in person, but appreciate him for jumping on giving us some stuff about the whole Big Sky Conference, the playoff picture, what each scenario might look like depending on who wins their respective rivalry games this weekend. I know uh, Cat Grizz overshadows pretty much everything, but there's the Cosway Classic between Sac State and UC Davis, and one of the biggest Cosway Classics ever too because those two schools are both playoff teams. And uh, so that's one for jockeying for position. Sac State gunning for their second straight Big Sky title. Troy Taylor's done a hell of a job uh, there at Sacramento State. And of course, Portland State and Eastern Washington for the Battle of the Damn Cup. Portland State could get themselves into a winning record if they beat Eastern. If they beat Eastern, uh, that would put Eastern squarely on the playoff bubble. I think they'd still get in. They do have eight victories, but... Uh, would not be a a very good scenario for Eastern Washington to have lost three out of four heading into the playoffs. And then we'll get this thing wrapped up. I did a hit on Riley Corcoran's podcast. He's the voice of the Grizz. He is also my co-host for the Montana Football Hour, the first Monday, excuse me, the first hour each Monday of my daily ESPN radio show, Nuana's Now. And uh, Riley has a podcast, Inside the Den, so I jumped on with Riley as well for a little Bobcats and Grizzlies analysis. One more Big Sky Breakdown coming later on this week. We will share interviews that we've conducted so far this weekend, and that we will conduct throughout this week. Awesome figures within this rivalry like former NFL offensive lineman Dylan McFarlane, a Grizz great, former Montana State quarterback Travis Lule, a Bobcat legend, former Bobcat head coach Mike Kramer, former Grizz head coach Joe Glenn, current Bobcat head coach Brent Vegan, several of the Montana State football captains, and a whole bunch more. So you can check out that interview-based podcast a little later on this week. Also, go check out the Catching Up with the Cats. This week's episode, former Bobcat captain Michael Ryder. Without further ado, Ty Gregorak, Big Sky Breakdown. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Alpine Touch. And Coach, we'll get this thing started. This is actually hilarious. As you know, everybody's always texting everybody these days. You know, a lot of smack talk going on, a lot of feedback, a lot of conversation about both the Grizz and the Bobcats. But somebody kicked my week off by sending me a video from the 2003 Cat Grizz game of Corey Smith taking the opening kick to the house. One of the iconic plays in the rivalry game over the last 20 years or so. At the very end, it pans to a young Ty Gregorak. He must have been 25 years old in the show. God, it was awesome it was funny seeing you in that video
1: a, a couple things I, I, I wasn't 25 I think it was like 23 uh, right 20, yeah I was 20 I, I think it was 23 maybe it just turned 24 uh and then obviously as everybody knows I got to finish my career at Montana State for three seasons and ev- each year we would in the coaches offices be running this highlight reel of, of all these crisp tap- cat plays and, and 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 you know through the history of the game and so I got to see my young self uh, each week for a few years there in Bozeman uh, so it is, it is a wonderful and special week for for everyone involved no doubt.
0: Well, you were a young man when you first dove into this rivalry so what do you remember about first learning about it obviously the guy you were working for at the time back in 2003 Bobby Houck had a fierce knowledge of the rivalry as a guy coaching at his alma mater but what was your indoctrination to this thing?
1: Well, I mean, I I grew up in the area. I mean, I I don't think you fully understand it unless you grow up in Montana or, or, you know, have a have a dad or an uncle or a grandpa or someone close to you that that played in the rivalry. But yes, uh, it was it was uh, very apparent early on, um, you know, start starting with our head coach, uh, that it that it is a big time rivalry and. You know, I mean, so the year before uh, Coach Glenn's last year is when the streak was broken in 2002 uh, there in Missoula, and then and then yeah, I got to come to Bozeman in my first year, and 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 we lost, you know, so that was that was two in a row, which you know is it's, it's crazy to think about. Uh, that 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 the cats are are seeking their fifth straight I mean it's it, it's insane for me to think about because the Grizz haven't won the game since my last season in Montana which was 2015 so you include the you know the pandemic year I mean shoot it's been six years since the, the Grizz won the game it, it, it's crazy it's it's a uh, don't you know outside of this date people don't get it they, they you know they they won't understand I know the Grizz were making a big push for college game day to come out and and really kind of a shame on them i mean I know they do i think they do an f c s game each year and and they 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 need they need to do it one of these years and, and and i mean frankly it should be done in missoula just just with the stadium capacity the stadium itself, the fan base so it needs to be done and and hopefully you know another year or two they they get game day to come come see this spectacle that is the Brawl
0: of the Wild. What's wild, like you mentioned, not since 2015 have the Grizz won this game, but it's been since 2014 that the Grizz won this game in Missoula, and the Grizz have only won this game in Missoula one time in the last 10 years. But Montana has had a ton of success in Bozeman, too. So these are the two best home field advantages in the FCS, besides maybe North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Why is it, though, that the road team has had so much success in this game over the last decade or so?
1: I think both coaches – well, I say both coaches uh... – the coaches that have been in place, you know, w- winning on the road is, is tough. And, and so I think that the mindset, you know, starting Sunday, uh, you know, after, after their, their last game before the brawl, it, the, the mindset is, is right. You know, and any coach just look looks at this as another game, probably hasn't kept their job <laughs> very long, you know, if, if, if you understand who I'm talking about, because it isn't just another game. It is a it is the game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the road team – and listen – there's nothing like winning the game, but boy, it is sweet to win on the road. There's, there's no question. And obviously, you've got an outstanding Montana State that's uh, sitting on top of the, the league right now, uh, he- heading on the road, you know. But I think that uh, Montana is still Montana. If they can continue to get some guys back and get, get, get fr- healthy – are healthy enough I mean you've got two two of the best teams in in the FCS going to duke it out this Saturday and it's uh I know you and I were texting last weekend what a wild finish for the conference I mean you got MSU who hasn't lost since going on the road at Wyoming you've got Sac State who's who's on fire and, and had a huge win in washington grizzly stadium you've still got eastern washington sitting there at eight and two you got montana at eight and two you got uc davis at eight and two you know so something's got to give this week i mean it's between between D- the davis sack game which will be a huge game with, with a lot on the line montana montana state a ton on the line and then you got portland state eastern with a ton on the line i mean it's it's going to be a, a wild season
0: It absolutely is, and even though I've just been around this league for so long that I'm so used to when the big sky gets the short end of the stick just because they are sort of out on an island. The top teams never do, but sometimes the fringe teams do, but it seems like it's almost impossible for there not to be five teams to make the playoffs, so uh, that'll certainly be a a good thing. Uh, Before we get into more about the Grizzium, one side note, we didn't really mention this the other week, but there's been all sorts of crazy... Movements among coaching staffs throughout all college football. But Eastern Washington, Ian Shoemaker, the offensive coordinator, just walking out the door. Uh, unbelievable, considering they're averaging 50 points and 600 yards per game. So, it seems like knee-jerk reactions within the scope of seasons is uh, the trend in college football right now.
1: I don't like it, I'll be honest. It, it, it's, it's becoming way too pro-ish you know, I mean, all these midseason firings, I mean, between, between head coaches getting whacked, assistant coaches getting whacked. I mean, Scott Frost, Scott Frost has done zero, zilch, nothing at Nebraska. And for him to keep his jobs, he's got to fire four coaches or whatever it was. I mean, that's four families. That's, you know, that, all the people that are being affected by this, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, it just, it's not right. This is college football. And I, I, I you know, like I said, I don't, I don't like it. I think college football. I mean, it's so special. I mean, pe- pe- people, millions and millions of people tune in every Saturday to watch ball. But boy, there's there's such a premium put, put being put on these coaches anymore. That and I know, I know, at the next level, there's some really good money to be made. Okay, there is. I mean, but but to fire Coach Helton at at USC after two games, I think they lost Stanford. And Stanford, by the way, has knocked off—I oh, don't know—Oregon, and, and they—you know—it's not like they're just some some slouch. But I don't know, man. It, it, it's crazy to, to see these fire. I, I know Coach Shoemaker. I know Ian. I mean, I used to know him really well, and it's just—I don't know. I mean, I, I air quote resigned, you know, because I air quote resigned too, and it just, uh, it, it's just—it's interesting for for sure, Coulter. I, I I don't I don't love it.
0: I don't love it either and you wonder if this would change if they weren't paid so much money but also when it is a revenue generation machine like college football is even at the FCS level it's an interesting conundrum for sure because I do think there's a lot more than than just living up to what sometimes are unrealistic expectations within the scope of a program but it's definitely a wild world but let's talk more about the rivalry game here on Saturday. When it's early on in the week, from a coaching perspective, can you sort of get a gauge of your team? Can you feel sort of the mentality of the guys going into this thing? And if so, how important is confidence versus nerves? Because it seems like both can play huge factors in this game.
1: No, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I was ever – I mean, I got the coach in 15 brawls and, and was you know, fortunate to be on the winning side of 12 of them. I, I can never remember a week where – I mean, it, it, you know, they, they set their jobs and it's go time. I mean, you, you, could, you could see just in the press conferences and, and social media, as soon as the Bobcats beat Idaho – and as soon as Montana finishes with with a with a really great win i mean that was that was a big time win uh oh by the way i mean for for all the Robbie doubters, it looks like he was the national player of the week so uh you know you know you know my opinion on that young man i think he's one heck of a football player but no man i mean i think i think both these Coaches understand it. Both programs do a great job of bringing back former players, former captains, guys that have been a part of this rivalry. That can, you know, that can tell their story and look at the boys in the eye and 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 tell them how much that that game means to them. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, Colter. I mean, when we were talking before we went on here, I mean, it's just it is a special week. For these coaches, players, their families, because there's just nothing like it, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's other great rivalries. I mean, we all we all know the you know, the game, the big game, the, the Civil War, the you know, bedlam. I mean, but but I'm just telling you, for this level, nothing comes close to it.
0: One of the factors I find fascinating, too, is that particularly for the guys that are veteran players that are from the state of Montana that grew up loving this rivalry, dreaming of playing in this rivalry, sometimes those guys, they become Superman. I mean, Josh Hill was a good player. Josh Hill was a freaking first-team all-world linebacker when he played against the Grizzlies, and vice versa, too. I mean, there was multiple guys from Montana that just played outside of their minds in this game, and sometimes that's the part that swings within the scope of, of each specific competition which team has the guys that are playing outside of their minds i mean that was the story in 2019 for the bobcats but back in 2014 that was the story for the grizzlies when they just absolutely pounded montana state so how big of a factor can that play and how do you adjust to that as a coach when you got a guy that's just completely playing at another world level
1: well, you're right. I mean, I, I, uh, I, you and I have both seen kind of the the two-minute trailer for you know for the documentary um, that they're trying to that they're trying to put together about the the miracle in Missoula. And you know, part of that trailer, you've got um, you've got Tucker Yates, who's a cold strip boy. Who you know, he says it. He said, "I made one of the biggest plays in, in in the history of the rivalry," and it's true. You 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 go out and you you shine in that game you will forever be remembered. You know, I, I was at the Bobcat game with my son Jax last, last uh, Saturday. And, you know, if, if Tommy, you know, if Tommy plays, plays that way against Idaho, well, it's a great game. Nice job. You know, you're adding a spark to a, to a team that, 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 that needs it offensively. You have that kind of game in the rivalry? that <laughs> That boy, that young man, will never buy a beer in Butte. I promise you that. I mean, it's it's uh, you're right. I mean, jo, jo, you, you mentioned Josh Hill, but I mean, I, I even think back to the miracle of, of, in Missoula. Um, a few years ago, you know, obviously Tucker made one of the greatest plays ever. And, and, and he wasn't the only one on that play to, to to make an outstanding play. But I think back to two or three series series prior, Grant Collins causes, you know, an unbelievable, uh, gr- just a great effort play uh, for him to get the ball back for the Bobcats who then went down and scored to take the lead, you know. So you're, you're right. You, you, you play out of your mind. You, you, you play your best game of, of your life in that game you're forever remembered, no question.
0: Because you have coached in so many of these ones, what are some of the most memorable performances individually and as teams that you remember from uh, both, both sides of this thing?
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll never, you know, I think, I think you and I have talked about it before. I'll never forget when we came out in our in our normal silver and maroon uh, for pregame, and then went in and came back in in the throwbacks. I mean, the place was just electric when they when they saw the Grizzlies come out in the old school uh, colors. Um, obviously, the the 2018 game will was... <laughs> I mean, it just you know, for for me personally, I mean, it was one of the it was one of the great games in the history of the rivalry, you know. But but yeah, for 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 me to have to go back to Missoula twice and win both games, you know, first against Coach Stitt and then and then against you know my mentor and friend and and Coach Hauk, I mean, that was incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, I think I've told you too, Coulter, You 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 remember like for me for me personally, and I bet if you asked a lot of the boys, they would probably remember more about the losses. Uh, and again, I I was fortunate to be in you know in twelve winning brawls out of fifteen. But those three games that that I was a part of that we lost, two thousand three, two thousand. Let's see, was it twelve? I'm trying to remember. Let's see, three. 12, I'm trying to remember, there, there was a, the third loss. But any, anyway, you remember more about those. I mean, it's kind of, kind of like what you're saying about the highlight reel uh, of, of that first, that opening kickoff. I'm, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. It was cold. Uh, the way I remember it, they still had the, 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 the natural grass. I remember the, the ca- I, I, put, I was putting on chapstick, and I'm just getting MF'd for putting on chapstick during the game by some Bobcat fan, and, and they know who you are. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a great rivalry, but you know, for me personally, I think I remember more about the, uh, more, more about the losses than I do the wins. But you know, those last few were pretty special for me. I mean, I, you know, I left, I left after the 15 season. And so 16, 17, 18, you know, get three wins in a row. And then they, 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 they handily, Won the last one that was played, it's crazy to think, two years ago now. It's just, for me, it's insane to think that, like I said, MSU's going for their fifth straight win over the grizz. I mean, it's just, it's unfathomable to me.
0: What do you think have been the, the main factors in that? Because it's it was, it it's been sort of this steady evening of the playing field from the streak ending in tw- 2002. Now here we are since the streak ended, and it's 9-9. Nine nine. And it's been 6 out of the last 10 for the Bobcats. They've won 4 in a row, and they've also won 4 out of 5 in Missoula. What have been the factors that have caused Montana State to swing the pendulum in their favor?
1: Well, I think that there's and there's multiple factors but i i think that i think it i think it you know kind of kind of shows you what's gone on at montana you know between leadership changes and and enrollment numbers being down i mean it's uh i've told you before you know that in the in the early 2010s there where we went through that that was hard and i don't think people fully understand how hard it was you know and and you know so obviously the the proof's in the pudding and just in terms of what you said not nine and nine to nine is the score over the last 18 seasons that's that's pretty crazy to think about. But you think about all the great, you know, Montana State and Travis Lule and Denarius. I mean, they, they, they've, they, they had some really nice teams throughout the history of the last 15 to 20 years. And, and obviously Montana has two. You know, it, it, it's, hey, honestly, I, I mean, I, I don't, it's hard to say this, but it's it's pretty good, you know, for the rivalry. I mean, if if a rivalry is just one, you know, you know, so lopsided one way or another, it's not really a rivalry. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like when I was at Colorado, you know, Bill, Bill McCartney pounded in to the heads of the Colorado Buffaloes that Nebraska was going to be our rival. Well, why was Nebraska our rival? Because they were the best, you know, and we always finished the season uh, ending uh, the day before Thanksgiving against Nebraska. But I don't think Nebraska ever looked at us as the rival. They were looking at Oklahoma or Texas as a rival, you know? So again, I think, I think both these head coaches will have the the proper mindset. I know coach, I mean, I've known coach out since I was 16 years old Coulter, and and (laughs) I know that they are doing Everything, everything in their power. I mean, one, there's a lot of implications on the line. You know, I mean, there just is. But you know, you know the old adage of throw the records out. It don't matter. One hates the other, and that's the way it is. That's the way it will always be. And it's bragging rights for 364 days.
0: No question about it. Well, let's talk about this specific game from a matchup perspective. The trenches are always key in this ball game, but here we are now where both teams are absolutely elite on the front seven defensively. I think they're two of the best front sevens we've ever seen, and maybe the best combination simultaneously that we've seen. And then on the other side, those fronts are going to be going against offensive lines with some question marks. Montana's offensive line has been average at best this year, and then they've been banged up lately. Is A.J. Forbes the center a go? Is Dylan Cook, uh, senior right tackle, back healthy, or is it going to be a true freshman and Brandon Casey out there on an island playing on the strong side? And then for Montana State, a reshuffling a little bit as well. with T.J. Session going out, the right tackle for the Bobcats. Brent Vegan said yesterday he's not going to play. I expect then that means that Taylor Tui Sopo will bump out to the right tackle spot as he did the last time Session missed a game and then probably a Joey McElroy or maybe a Cole Sain, whoever might be healthy playing inside at that guard spot. But to me, the matchups to watch are which front accentuates maybe the, the advantages that they have and how can some of the young offensive linemen hang because Daniel Hardy versus a true freshman and Patrick O'Connell versus a true freshman that's not a good matchup for either of the team's offenses
1: well you're you're exactly right I mean I I think that you've got the two best defenses in the league and so which offense will perform better uh you're exactly right I mean the Montana State their defensive front is I mean you you, kind of just said it I mean they're 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 maybe one of the best fronts this conference has seen in a long time slash maybe ever you know so is Cam Humphrey healthy enough? How, how did their running back, how's their running back situation look like in Missoula right now? Can they get some big plays out of the receivers? Lance McCutcheon on the other side, he continues to impress. Uh, is Isaiah H- H- Fonse going to get healthy? You know, so, I, I look at it in my mind. I know the defenses are going to show up. Which offense can can have can have a, a, a better output against a, against an excellent defense, and who can be the most disciplined in this game? We saw we saw Montana. You know, the last time they were in Missoula, they weren't very disciplined. You can't get twelve. Well, you can't get nineteen or have the opposing accept twelve penalties for 125. Not in this game. That will get you beat. So, which team is going to show up? and be the most disciplined for 60 minutes is the one that's going to win.
0: Is there any key factor here? I mean, the discipline is absolutely it. Is there any glaring mismatch that you see? Because I think that there's a couple things that are unpredictable, but they'll certainly will play factors depending on how they go, including a head coach who's never coached in this thing before, as well as a starting quarterback on Montana State side who's never been in Washington Grizzly Stadium and never been a part of this rivalry. But what sort of uh, key intangible elements do you, do you point to in terms of who's going to have the upper hand?
1: Well, I, I mean, we, we were just talking about the front seven for for uh, Montana State. I mean, if 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 they can play up to their ability, that could pose a lot of problems for Montana. Because I mean, you you said it. Montana's offensive line and their running back situation is has struggled throughout the year. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I think I told you a few weeks back. a Big game like this, where all thing all things somewhat even what you know what watch watch the penalty situation which which team can can stay in check and not you know because i mean it's that, that crowd will be in a frenzy and 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 the nerves and the emotion of the game which team can be the most disciplined expect a, you know potentially a trick play in the kicking game or, or or offensively and then and then the kicking game itself i mean it's it's uh it's, so, something something's got to give a little bit whether whether it's um you know the the, the punters. I mean, shoot. <laughs> I thought Jared Padmos might have been one of the most underrated, unsung heroes of our team. And, and, and if you remember my big rear end on, on the sideline, and he was always the first one that I, that, that I tried to congratulate because flipping the field and pinning, pinning that offense deep in their own territory in a game like this will be huge.
0: No question about it. When, it. when you're trying to acclimate as a coach to this game, what's that dynamic like? Because it seemed like you know, this is old hat for Bob – not old hat, but Bobby Houck has been here before. He's done this before. Jeff Choate knew that that was going to be his ticket uh, to being remembered so glowingly by Bobcat fans. But how do you think that this coaching staff on the Montana State side of things will react to their first trip into the belly of the beast in Missoula?
1: Well, I mean, Coach Vegan is – hes <laughs> He's been in – I won't – I'm not even going to go there and say that it's the same, but, I mean, he coached at North Dakota State. He's he's played against South Dakota State in that rivalry. He, He coached for a long time at Wyoming in the rivalry against Colorado State. Not the same, I agree but he'll he'll understand in a hurry i mean and he's got a great outfit i mean for a first year coach and staff they've done an unbelievable job in 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 with this team in my mind i mean he he is he is going he is pursuing a big sky cha- championship in his first season something that something that you know the boss you know we coach chote that that we could never accomplish that's on the line this Saturday so not only is it the best rivalry in college football in my mind but you're you're, you're trying to host a trophy after the game so i don't know he, 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 he's going to figure out in a hurry, he, he, if, if, if some of those guys have never been to Washington Grizzly Stadium, they're going to be impressed because it is, it is an unbelievable venue. It just is. And, and for this game, it will be electric. So they're going to learn, those new guys that haven't coached in this game, they're going to learn in a hurry how amazing an experience this is.
0: Well, we are not in the business of public predictions when it comes to these games. I think it does nothing but make you have egg on your face. And it's like I always tell everybody, when you spend 75 hours a week watching all these games exhaustively two, three, four times, and you can actually immerse yourself in this thing, then you can say, oh, yeah, I know so much about all this stuff. Until then, though, it it ain't a thing. But I I just hate when people try to use, oh, you got your prediction wrong, so you must not know anything about sports. Eh, That's not where it's at. But regardless, not a prediction, Ty, but last thing for you. What are the key factors for each side in this thing? Because I I think that Montana State can run the football like they've run it the last four years. They're going to be hard to beat. That said, this is the best Grizz rush defense we've seen in a handful of years, and they are one of the top five in the country in stopping the run. So that could be a stalemate. And I do think that if Matt McKay can make some plays, that's advantage Bobcats. But if Cam Humphrey can make some plays, that's advantage Grizzlies. I think that there's a lot that could happen on special teams too. But is there any certain thing that you could point to that could could be sort of the the determining factor factor as this thing plays out on Saturday.
1: I'll put it to you this way. I I believe right now, okay, I'm not talking I'm not talking two and a half months ago. I'm talking right now. I think Montana State has a more complete football team. That being said, we both know that Washington Grizzly Stadium is special and i and i just believe the the, the crowd is going to be so so plugged in it, i think that MSU you know MSU is going to have have their work cut out for them there's no question i do i do think top to bottom with hell Montana State maybe has a more complete football team right now that being said like i said 5 minutes ago throw the records out they're both excellent football teams they both have fantastic defenses uh, they're both well coached they 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 understand the rivalry it, it's it's going to be a fantastic fantastic day to watch this rivalry and 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 honestly i was i was thinking about going over for the game but i'm kind of fired up just to sit on the couch and watch it on tv and i'll I'll get i'll get to a brawl down the road but it's uh who who makes the least mistakes you know in terms in terms of the penalty game who who had i mean hey listen the the last time my coach in this game we were getting our butts kicked all right we were we were getting our butts kicked we were down three scores culture but but again the mindset of the coaching staff the mindset of the players we didn't we didn't blame and 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 so you just i think for both teams culture that's that that's what you got to do is because because listen they've got <laughs> they got scholarship players you know on, on both sides of the ball they're both great outfits which which team is going to rise to the occasion when it matters most. And, and that's what we did on the last play. I mean, I you know, whenever that dang documentary does come out, you know, I, I think I said, we you know, they call it the miracle in, in Missoula, which I understand because, you know, nine out of ten times, they might score from the one-yard line. But when it mattered the most, our guys – played better. Maybe we called a better defensive uh, a better defensive call on that play than they called a better offensive play. Our guys rose to the challenge, and that's what needs to happen on Saturday. These guys need to rise up, and it's going to be a slugfest, man. It just is. It, it, they're going to duke it out for 60 minutes, and which team can play for 60 minutes and, and get out of there with a win?
0: Ty Gregorak, guy who's coached in 15 of these things. It's the greatest week of the year. He's our go-to guy here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, thanks so much for being here, man. This was a lot of fun.
1: Thank you, Coulter. It's it's going to be awesome. I don't know if we're going to talk next week or not, but I, I'm sure there's going to be a, a the term unpack. There will be plenty to unpack uh, from this game, and 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 frankly, the other ones are on the league. Because man, what what a what a way to finish with with so much still out there for multiple teams in this conference. But yeah, no, none none more important than these two going to duke it out in in, in the Garden City on Saturday. Thanks, man.
0: So you're sad College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Coulter Juarez, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors, including RV truck sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch, and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula college game day twisted tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. It seems as if the entire football world is descending upon Missoula, Montana, and that's very true because in Missoula and the surrounding areas, we got state championships at almost every level, including Montana State playing Montana for the 120th time. The Kekers rivalry renewed Saturday, Washington Grizzly Stadium at high noon, but there's a ton of other fun action in town as well with Missoula Sentinel gunning for a second straight Class AA State Championship. Billings West is coming to town to take on the Spartans, a match of last year's state double a title game and the first time missoula has hosted a state championship game since 1994 we also have the hamilton bronx into the championship game for the third time in the last six years they play at defending champion laurel for the class a title and then Florence, the Falcons, riding right, an 11 game winning streak. They will host Big Fork in the Class B championship on Saturday afternoon. And we also have another one in the Class C eight man level as Drummond Phillipsburg. That's Flint Creek, the co op. They travel to Thompson Falls. The upstart Bluehawks moved down from Class B a couple years ago. Now they will host the Class C eight man game against a Flint Creek squad that's gunning for their third championship in the last four years. So, an opportunity, regardless of who wins that Class C game, because Thompson Falls is pretty close to Missoula, but seems as if that we could have have four state champions from one hour radius. Pretty cool. We welcome now another guy who's making his way to Missoula right now. He's Brooks Newman at SkylineSportsMT.com. He's my brother and uh, our go-to guy when we're talking all things football. This is All Football All the Time, presented in part by Sportsbet Montana. All your betting needs. Sportsbet Montana's got you covered. They got kiosks smattered around the entire state of Montana. Brooks, what's up, my man? I'm glad you're on your way to the mecca that is the center of the football world in Missoula. How you doing?
1: Yes, sir. The mecca of football in the state of Montana. And it's that time of year. Temperatures are dropping. The wind is blowing. Uh, it smells and feels like football. And by God, teams across the state of Montana are playing for a whole lot, Coulter. And uh, that, that is definitely the case for Montana and Montana State.
0: A ton of talk about Montana, Montana State in a minute, but it must be noted again, and we keep talking about this, but Brooks and I both played high school sports in Missoula. We fancy ourselves pretty good athletes. I was pretty good. Brooks was a very good athlete, and uh, we had a lot of talented teammates and a lot of talented friends that went to other schools, and there was really no opportunity or even possibility for Missoula schools to be chasing football championships. I mean, my class at Big Sky back in 2000, the fall of 2004 was probably the one that chased it as successfully as most teams from around Missoula in the last 20 years until this recent era. And here we are. Missoula Sentinel is working on a dynasty. They have won 20 games in a row. They're gunning for a second straight class AA state championship. So it's just crazy the way the world's changed, but it's also a huge testament to the way that Sentinel has revamped the athletic department culture that they have there with the Spartans. So what do you think of just Sentinel and their emergency? Has this class double A power?
1: Well, it's really exciting, man. It's really exciting for the city of Missoula. Uh, You know, we talk extensively about how high school sports in Missoula uh, tend to somewhat get diluted due to the nature that Missoula County, I believe there's seven high schools, and it might be an additional one. When you take in the French towns, the Loyola, uh, you know, the three A schools, uh, you go up to Sealy Swan, and there's all sorts of, of high schools they are drawing from the same pool of kids. Uh, so in that nature, I, a lot of times Missoula has struggled to find that deep into playoff football, even though there's so much talent. If you put all the kids on one team, and be the an all-star team for Missoula, it would be the best team in the state, or if not one of the two or three best teams in the state, no question, every single year for the last 25, 30 years. Uh, but in that case, Missoula has been kind of a basketball town. Um, you know, Sentinel and Hellgate have both had their runs in basketball with state t- titles at times in, last, in that same time period. Uh, but it's really exciting to see Sentinel build that, establish that culture with a lot of ex-Grizz players in the fold, um, you know, within the track and field program, within the football program. Um, and some leadership up top with athletic directors and administrative um, purposes there. So it's awesome. It's great for the city of Missoula um, to play meaningful Friday night football and to chase titles. I mean, it's a sports-driven town that has been thirsty for that kind of stuff. So I'm very happy to see it happen.
0: Also, you can't really underrate the fact that they've revamped the youth football program. So they actually learn how to play real football. So Missoula youth football, don't need to go down that road too much right now, but it is worth noting that that has been a huge contributor to the success of not only Missoula Sentinel, but a lot of these teams from around the area as well. I mean, Florence is only 16 miles from Missoula, so those kids are playing in the same feeder programs as well. So that's definitely helped. Brooks Nuana is joining us here on Nuana's now ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. It's state championship week around the state of Montana and at the college level. So here we are the 120th rendition of the rivalry between montana state and montana brooks a ton to talk about a lot of details to get to but your broad thoughts on the renewal of a rivalry here in missoula at long last
1: well i can't believe how much i missed it um with the year off right i mean gosh it's uh, something that we all look forward to it, it it's to me it's, it's the turning point of the year it's right after daylight savings time it's right before thanksgiving kind of the culmination of of so many different parts of, this, of the year, of the calendar year, little alone the football year. It's, an attorney, uh, it's a turning point in the, in the state of Montana um, in, into winter, which we all, we hunker down and we become community-oriented with our neighbors and our friends, and, and we survive together. And there's this element of, at this point in the season, you've survived thus far, now you, now you let it all go. You get to play one football game for, for all the marbles. And, uh, you know, we can't overemphasize how important it is in the state of Montana how important it is in the college football landscape, not just the FCS. It's one of the most important college football games played every single year, and there's no different this year. We have some huge stakes on the line here for two of the better teams we've covered. And, quote, we talk about this a lot, but I hope to say that every year, and it won't be hyperbole, is that every year as the programs continue to build, you hope to say that these are some of the better teams I've covered in recent memory, certainly the case in 2021 uh, with, with the Grizz and the Cats, who are both playing extremely high-level football with talent up and down the rock.
0: The fact of the matter is, you're right, Montana State's number three in the country right now. 7-0 in Big Sky Conference play. They already have nine victories. There's no question they're already into the playoffs. I think there's almost no question that they already have a playoff seed secured. Montana, despite a lot of their struggles and a lot of their turmoil and a lot of their adversity that they've had to endure, mostly stemming from injuries, but also stemming from the pressure that came with beating a ranked FBS squad to start the season when they toppled the Washington Huskies. But Montana now sits here as the number seven team in the country, and they're eight and two overall. And they have almost certainly already secured a playoff berth. And I think that they have an outside chance of getting a buy, win or lose. And they certainly will get a buy if they win. The fact that this game is for potentially a share of the Big Sky title, potentially a playoff buy, and certainly jockeying in the playoff picture that's a good thing for this rivalry, right?
1: It's everything, man. It's the most important thing that could happen to the Big Sky Conference. It's one of the most important things that can happen at Montana and Montana State is for both of these programs to be playing at a very high level and to have national success because, as we've talked about, it is the front door to these universities. It is the backbone of recruiting not only student-athletes but uh, students in general. It is, it, it is a temperature gauge of the health of a university as you start to talk about you have successful football programs, successful athletic departments. Then all of a sudden, people are invested in, with their time, uh, their extracurricular time, their time outside of class, their time as community members. They're invested in one central idea. And oftentimes in the state of Montana, it happens to be football. And oftentimes when the football is good, everything else kind of follows right behind it.
0: Well, let's talk about this exact ball game. A lot of similar strenics, a lot of similar concerns. So we'll get into some guided matchups here in a minute. But in your mind, when you think about this matchup just between the two teams on paper, the X's and O's, the schematics, what are the key matchups in this ball game?
1: Well, I mean, I think defensively it's going to be a showdown. I think both teams are going to come out with their hair on fire. I don't, see how, I don't really see it going any other way. Uh, But overall, I mean, Montana has played so defensively against the run this entire season, and Montana State has been able to run it up and down every single team they have played um, to the tune of 250-plus yards a game, Uh, you know, a top-five rusher in the entire nation in Isaiah Infante. To me, you know, it's probably the number one matchup is is, is can the Grizz, you know, hold Montana State some kind of regular running fashion. I don't don't know if that could happen because Montana State runs it so prolifically, so prevalently, so often. Uh, but that, I think, is probably the key matchup, is that great Grizz run defense against the Montana State offense. And, and vice versa, you know, then you got to worry about, well, what Montana has, has done in, with their running offense and their offensive line up front. The Grizz have not been as stout as years past. And Montana State's front seven is by far the strength of their team. That is a, another key matchup. So, you know, both sides of the ball have them. But I would say probably the key to the game would be Montana State's running attack against Montana's stout defensive uh, – being so stout playing the run defense
0: is now, ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Brooks Nwana is joining us on the Rankings Brothers RV phone line. Recording this earlier in the week. We gotta tell you that now, FCC regulations. But Brooks is on his way to Missoula. We'll have full coverage for you of this rivalry game all throughout the week uh, leading up to the game and then of course on Saturday as well SkylineSportsMT.com as well as here on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. And Brooks the matchup you just addressed is such a paramount one because not only are those two of the best in terms of the units on national level montana a top five rush defense in the country montana state a top five rushing offense in the country but montana state has averaged 340 plus yards rushing in the last four bobcat grizzly showdowns they have quite frankly embarrassed montana in the way that they have beat them down at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack it's something that's Caused great glee among Bobcat fans, great consternation among Grizz fans. But this Grizz defense, they still have the same defensive coordinator and can't bear. Their personnel is objectively much different, though. And the personnel being different has made the scheme change a little bit. Still a lot of high pressure, a lot of blitzing, a lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of post-snap movement. But the story, the last couple years, was Montana State's gap scheme completely exploiting Montana's gap aggression, I should say. I I guess that's the way that I would put it. A lot of times the Grizz were over-aggressive and the patience and the pace of the Bobcat run game, particularly with its, with its pulling guards, was a nightmare for the Grizz and a dream come true for the Bobcats. We got a new OC in Bozeman and Taylor House, right? Not nearly as much gap scheme stuff offensively. And even though Camp Bear is still the DC at Montana, it seems like they have a little bit more diversity in their ability to run fit and, and make tackles both in the box and in space. So what do you think of just the kind of differences in scheme? It, it seems to me, even though it is strength versus strength, Montana State doesn't quite have that schematic advantage that they've had the last couple years in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you, Colt, with, with TJ Sessions getting knocked out at last game at, at right tackle and moving some different pieces around. Justice Perkins, a really young guy from Bozeman who's getting his first wax at, at starts this season. Um, so there's some new pieces to that with of the blind that the continuity has changed to touch. And, and Grizz defensively, you said it right, Colt, as far as you know, their, graphic, their gap aggression. It, it's not necessarily a um, the most gap sound of defenses in the sense that they don't really just play the 11-12 gaps that are on the field and rush you to the side, by like, like the Grizz have in years past. They have guys who are responsible for multiple gaps. They also blitz so much on running downs as well as passing downs, but they blitz so much on any and every down. Your your gap is then kind of assigned due to the blitz. Any kind of getting off track or, or changing your path of attack then throws off the whole scheme of the blitz. They, they do play the run so effectively with their pressure, and Coach Brent Vegan at Montana State called it, how kept over and over saying how disruptive they are, and I think it's the perfect way to say it. But Montana State isn't quite as prolific up front, and Montana is a little bit more sure-footed on their defensive um, So I do agree. It's probably balanced out a touch, even though Montana State, it's, an, it's such an impressive running offense that, you know, they're still going to get yards. And whether will it be to the tone of, as you mentioned, you know, 350-plus yards in every game in the last four seasons against the grids. Hard to say if it'll get to that level, but I know that they will have success at points of the game. It's whether or not the Grizz can can, can bow up and, and, and maybe get some third down stops on third and short.
0: Brooks Nuanas is joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, all football all the time, presented in part by the Blue Turf Sportsbook at Northern Quest Casino. If you're in the Spokane area, you're go make all your bets either pregame or in game with the Blue Turf Sportsbook at Northern Quest. And Brooks, there's one thing that's so interesting when it comes to statistical analysis because not all schedules are created equal. Not all matchups are the same when you talk about conference teams, even when you get to the final game of the regular season. So although these two teams are surging, Montana is a phenomenal run defense they also rank higher in the run defense because they haven't played a couple of the best rushing teams in the league specifically the cats they also did not play Weber State there's a lot of different statistical skews but what I'm getting at here is that I don't think the Grizz defense has faced a rushing attack like the Bobcat offense but I also don't think uh, that either of these teams have faced defenses of the caliber that they're about to face today or I guess on Saturday the Grizz offense has struggled mightily, but they have looked better the last couple weeks. They've gotten back on track. But how much of that is playing Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona rather than some of the better teams in the league? The fact of the matter is that Montana has not played the teams that hang their hat on defense in this league. UC Davis is actually winning with defense a little bit more now. Montana State, Weber State, of course. So, you know, even Sac State is, is okay defensively, pretty good. And Eastern Washington, eh, not that great. And those are the best opponents Montana's played. So, where are we at that element? Because the Grizz Offense has looked better in recent weeks, yet they're not going to, they have never faced a defense like the Bobcats.
1: Yeah, Coulter, it's the real deal, the Bobcat defense. You know, the team as a whole is the real deal. Um, in the last five, in the last four seasons when Montana State's gone 4 0, I think that, the, you know, without Troy, you could maybe say Troy Anderson's not going to have the ball in his hands, but outside of that element, uh, I think it's the best Bobcat team that the Grizz have seen in the last five years. So that is definitely a factor. I, I don't know how much it plays into. Yeah, I, I I love getting into the to the schedule analysis and breaking it all down and I'm always about here and I'm definitely not a guy that leans on you throw all that stuff out when it comes to this game. I definitely don't think that, but when, when you're talking about northern Arizona and northern Colorado, talking about the Grizz giving up thirty four to Eastern, but also, you know, being able to score twenty eight against that defense. Um, all that stuff you can kind of you can kind of compare and contrast. But this is a whole new element, a whole new beast that Montana's gonna see as far as the talent and the scheme. You know, scheme-wise, it's just a different scheme than they've really played against. It's a different scheme than most people run uh, what Montana State does on defense. It's a 4-2-5 where Montana Montana on defense is running a 3-3-5, a unique 3-3-5 stack, which is a very specific style of defense. Montana State has a very specific style of defense as well in the 4-2-5. Those are much different than what they've run in the past as well Montana State primarily has been running a hybrid three-four with with the outside edge defender that stands up, um, which is so significantly different than the, than the two interior defensive tackles. Um, so Montana State has a whole new thing that Montana has not seen this year, and also has not seen the past. We can say Montana State uh, their their greatest strength is, is their run defense. You know, it might be their front seven on defense to be an off, to be completely honest.
0: Well, uh, let's play a little game here now as we finish up here our all football all the time Cat Grizz edition here on Nuanas Now. We're not going to hash out what this means more than just straight-up pick em. We're going to go position group versus position group, not this versus that when the Grizz are on the offense or the Cats are on offense. We're just ca- talking across the board. So we'll start with offensive lines. Are you taking the Montana State or the Montana offensive line? We'll
1: go Montana State the, due to experience.
0: Totally agree. Montana State has a couple premier players in Taylor Tuyasa Sopo and Lewis Kidd, a couple senior leaders, and uh, the Grizz. They also have a couple senior leaders in Conlon Beaver and Dylan Cook. Uh, the two tackles. Cook's status remains up in the air. Uh, he hasn't played the last two games. His return will be essential because Brandon Casey, a freshman, has gotten thrown to the Wolves. Again, thrown to the Wolves against David Hogue at Northern Colorado, that's a challenge, but it ain't Daniel Hardy and Amandre Williams. So uh, I agree. I think Montana State does have a little bit of an advantage, uh, maybe a lot of an advantage on the offensive line. Quarterback. Got Cam Humphrey back in the fold of Montana. Matt McKay in the fold for the Grizzlies, who has the advantage when it comes to the quarterback position.
1: You know, if Cam Humphrey's healthy and he can stay healthy, I'm going to take Cam Humphrey. I think he can push the ball down the field, especially during the middle of the field, a little bit a little bit more effectively than Matt McKay. If you would have asked me four or five weeks ago, I would have taken Matt McKay. His efficiency was off the charts, but he's struggled the last four weeks. Ever since Weaver State, you know, they, they, they stuck out of there on the road with a three-point win. Matt McKay has struggled to find a true rhythm, and they have actually played multiple quarterbacks in light of that, so I'm going to take Cam Humphrey
0: there. I agree as well. I think the Cam Humphrey actually somehow is underrated, even though it's because Montana doesn't want to have their quarterback be the key to them winning, so then somehow, Humphrey is somehow underrated, even though I actually think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, so I agree with you. Montana takes the the uh, advantage uh, at quarterback. How about running back? Isaiah Fonse, questionable for this game. I think he's going to play. I think the Grizz think he's going to play. I think the Bobcats think he's going to play. Elijah Elliott, probably between questionable and doubtful for the Bobcats. And then Lame Sumner, a fully capable third-string guy. He would actually probably be a first or second-string guy most of the schools around the Big Sky Conference. And on the Montana side of things, they've got quite a few guys back. I think they're expecting Xavier Harris and Isaiah Childs to both buoy uh, the workload with Junior Bringer for sure, and maybe even Nick Osmo as well. So maybe a four-headed monster at running back for the Grizz. Where are we at with the running backs in this rivalry?
1: Taking, taking Isaiah Fonse and, and Montana State Bobcats, uh, Infante has gotten better and better and better every year. Uh, he is, you guys have heard me say this on this show, on Skyline Sports, he's the best running back in the Big Sky Conference. I think by, by, by arm's and heads and shoulders and I think he's probably the best running back in, in the country at the FCS level and I think he's that good I, I've seen him play a ton you know I've seen him play 25 plus games in his career and, uh, he's the real deal man in Montana d- due to a bunch of attrition and injuries and um, you know probably the, the the one downfall of their season that they haven't been able to get the running game truly going and that's just due to playing a converted receiver uh, freshman and junior Bergen and a couple other freshmen at times. And Isaiah Child has come along a little bit, when she's looked good. And But they're missing their big dogs. You know, Marcus Knight and, and Nick Osmo aren't in this game. And, you know, those have been really important players for them the last two years. So Montana State gets the nod.
0: All right, let's talk about wide receivers and tight ends. Montana State's playing a bunch of tight ends, and they got some talented ones led by Derek Snell, an Alaska product, and Trayton Pickering from up on the high line, Sunburst, Montana. And, of course, Brian Davis, the guy who never catches passes but always starts games and always knocks heads, the big senior from Billings. And then, of course, a wide receiver, Lance McCutcheon, a Bozeman product, having one of the breakout seasons in all the Big Sky Conference. On the Grizz side of things, Sammy Kim has the talent to be one of the best guys in the league. He's come on really strong in the last couple weeks. They also have an unbelievable talent in Cole Grossman, who's definitely chugging toward becoming a first team all-league caliber type talent uh, he's torn it up the last month or so he's got five touchdowns in the last six weeks and uh, he's been one of the premier targets especially when it comes to catch up passes from his roommate cam humphrey then of course you got mr steady mitch roberts uh, missoula sentinel product who leads the grizzlies and catches as far as the guys that are catching the ball where are we at between the cats and the grizz
1: you know cole, it's i think cole grossman's you know the most exciting player of that entire group as far as what his ceiling could be compared to what he was in the, you know, the start of the season or maybe last year. Talent is off the charts, and he's really starting to come into his own. But Montana State has so much depth and so many different styles of tight end. I'll give Montana State the nod there, just because they have multiple offensive linemen that play the, the position in, and they have several guys that can catch the ball as well. So that one's close. I'm going to give that nod to Montana State. And then Montana is going to win that receiver battle. Sammy Akim and Mitch Roberts are, are the two best receivers in this game. No, don't get it twisted. Lance McCutcheon is the real deal and having a great season. Sammy Kim is the most talented player in in this game potentially. Um, it's going to be a short list of him and Troy Anderson, Isaiah Fonse and you know O'Connell and Jason Lewis, and a couple guys on that short list. And Sammy and Kim is one of them. So I'll give the Grizz the nod for outside pass catchers.
0: All right, switching over to the defense quickly. The defensive lines, Montana State, they got Chase Benson, the best inside guy in the league. Daniel Hardy, a leader for Defensive Player of the Year honors. Amandre Williams, a potential All-League guy, former transfer from Washington. Grizzlies, better up front, boosted by a couple FBS transfers and Justin Belknap and Joe Babros. I think Alex Gubner is one of the most improved players in the league. The nose tackle, Eli Alford, questionable for this game. He's been good, too, though, at that interior position as well. Jacob McGoring, another guy that the Grizz bring off the bench on the front. But I think this one's a no-brainer. I'll let you go ahead. Who's got the advantage? On the defensive line.
1: Well, you're making me pick between some pretty dominant football players, Colter. No question. Uh, advantage advantage is the fact that they're not going to go against each other. Uh, they have matchups that they're each going to have to deal with. I think Montana State has the knob there. So, so much depth, so much talent. Uh, you know, potentially three first-team all-league guys, and that is that is no knock to the Grizz defensive front, which is one of the most talented groups in the entire Big Sky Conference. So, really, I mean, it's still – it's very close, and I don't want to make it seem like it's not, but Montana State has so much talent there.
0: And this is the n- most interesting one now, the linebackers, because I think that Troy Anderson is the best talent in the country, period. The guy doesn't even practice, and he's going to be a unanimous first-team all-league inside linebacker at a position he struggled at the first month of the season. Now these last couple weeks, 15, 16, 17 tackles. He's about two plays away from having three pick sixes this year. He's crazy. He's unbelievable. Callahan O'Reilly, also one of the best and most improved players in the Big Sky Conference. That said, I think three of the five best linebackers in the league play for the Grizz, including, I think, the two-best best linebackers in the league other than Troy Anderson, Jace Lewis, and Patrick O'Connell. Marcus Wellnell's right there. Marcus Wellnell will be the best linebacker on every team outside of the state of Montana, I think, in the Big Sky Conference. So this one is an unbelievable one when you come to picking the advantage here.
1: Man, I don't know if I can, you know, on live radio to, to, to dissect that much talent. Um, Troy Anderson's the best player of, of that group of players, and that's that's kind of unsaid, you know. I mean, it's, we've all seen it. Anyone who's listening in the city of Missoula can think of the times that Troy Anderson has played well against the Grizz and against a lot of other teams. I mean, he is – on, on the level, on the very short list of the Cooper Cups of the world, as far as historic players to ever play the Big Sky Conference, I mean, he is that level of talent. But overall, I agree. I think the next three best players after Troy Anderson are, are, are those three Grizz linebackers. Gosh dang, it's close. I give it to the Grizz just because I don't necessarily think that Montana State has that third and fourth linebacker, same as Montana does. But if you if you let me have a picket coin toss, I'd, I'd, I'd lean that way. But uh, those, those three guys to the Grizz are pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, probably one of the determining factors there, too, is Nolan Askelson, who's an awesome linebacker for the Cats, is hurt, and he's out I'm building senior product. And then you look at the, some of the backup guys for the Grizzlies, like Levi Janicaro and Braxton Hill from Missoula and Anaconda, respectively, and those two guys sort of buoy that rank. So I think a slight edge for the Grizzlies, I agree. And how about then the secondary? Because this is a couple of secondaries that include some influx of talent, some homegrown talent as well. On the Grizz side of things, you got Robbie Halk, a returning All-American at safety, but he's also buoyed by Gavin Robertson, and Garrett Graves and Natch Fouch. And then the corners have been very good. Omar Hicks-Anu, Trajan Cotton, Corbin Walker. Uh, A couple of those guys are FBS drop-downs from Oregon State. And then on the other side of the thing, you got one of the best safety tandems, or I guess safety trios in the league in Ty Okada, who I think is a first-team all-league guy this year. Trey Webb, transfer from San Jose State. Jeffrey Manning, a transfer from Oregon State. And then a couple guys that have not gotten a lot of attention because they've been so good. That's the corners at Montana State. Simeon Woodard has been very good. Eric Zambrano's been solid, filling in for uh, Uh, some veteran guys Tyrell Thomas hasn't played much uh, but they haven't needed him as much either and uh, then of course James Campbell a converted wide receiver has been uh, very good this year at corner as well so where are we at with the secondary of these two teams
1: well, it's another one of those pickups, but I'm going to split those two groups, uh, and I'm going to give Montana the, the nod at safety just because they do play three safeties. The Grizz do, too. You know, the Robbie Hauk, Nash Foush, Garrett Graves is a great combo, but as you mentioned, I think Ty Okada is the best nickel in the conference, um, and Jeffrey Manning has been a- elite safety. So just for for levity's sake, I'm going to split the two and give the, the, the nod to Montana State safeties. And then you missed Justin Ford. Uh, of course. Eight, six, how could I miss games. him? How could you miss him? Uh, you know. And then you said those other three guys with a lot of depth there. Montana State's uh, corners have played well. They're, barely, they're really young. They've played way over their heads as far as the ability and kind of the ceiling that, that, that they've reached as young players. Montana, Montana has more depth there. So Montana State safeties, Montana corners.
0: Well then, basically what we're saying is this thing is even across the board and uh, we're running out of time so we can't really dissect the special teams, but I think that we would both agree. I think that Kevin Macias, the grad transfer from Arizona State, has been very good and Blake Glessner has been one of the surprises in the league this year as a freshman at Montana State. And then the punters, holy cow, man, the two punters are two of the best guys on the teams. Brian Bushini lights out, Bryce Layton throwing darts. So those two guys have been awesome. And then you look at the special teams units, the kick coverage units. I mean, I think that Tommy Mallott and from Montana State and Levi James. Carroll from Montana, a couple former high school quarterbacks have been two of the best guys in the league, covering kicks as well, and those units have been solid across the board. So I think this is all to say that when you go matchup by matchup, position group by position group, all the different things that can play out in this game, this is a stalemate, man, and that's why we cannot wait for this game on Saturday in Missoula. It's Brooks and Juan at MT.com. Joining us here on ESPN Missoula, man. Can't wait for the rest of the week. Thanks so much for being here, man. And uh, any last thoughts on this g- matchup on Saturday?
1: It's going to be a showdown, man. These are really, really, really good teams. Some of the best teams we've ever covered, Coulter. And that's not hyperbole. That's not recency bias. These are some of the most talented teams we have ever seen. I love the fact that it, it, it very well and very likely will come down to a guy that comes off the bench, a guy that's a second stringer, a special teams player. It might come down to Tommy Malott. It, it might come down to Malik Flowers or, or, or Braxton Hill. It could come down to to so many different players that are likely going to carve out a little piece of history, and that's why we do it. That's why we'll be there. Couldn't look more forward to it.
0: You can find all our stuff, including Brooks' amazing photography and good podcast content, on scotonsportsmt.com. Drive safe, man. See you soon.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: So you're sad College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Colter Juarez, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10. 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors, including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch, and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. One of the biggest Big Sky Breakdowns of the year. You're going to hear a lot of crossover stuff this week because we have some Big Sky Breakdown contributors. We also got some contributors on Nuanas Now and it all amounts to the greatest guest list you're ever going to find when it comes to the greatest rivalry in the West. It is the Bobcats at the Grizzlies. Montana State at Montana for the 120th time on Saturday. We're joined now by Sam Herter, Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports. Doing a great job covering the FCS on a national level. Sam, thanks so much for being with us, man. You must be pretty excited i know you're coming to missoula this weekend so what are your thoughts as you make your way uh, to the west and come to the garden city to take in a rivalry showdown between the bobcats and the grizzlies
3: Yeah, I'm pumped uh, to get there. I experienced the brawl uh, for the first time in 2019, uh, and that was in Bozeman, obviously. And now, you know, super excited to get to Missoula, uh, experience Washington Grizzly Stadium. You know, I haven't been there uh, yet. And so that's uh, obviously one of the the top environments in the FCS. And this is certainly, in my opinion, the best rivalry in the FCS. And so I think it's going to be a great game and a great atmosphere
0: before we get into the actual game, because it is not only a huge rivalry game, but also one that will have certainly ramifications on the national level. But let's talk about the national scene. First and foremost, uh, as we sit right here today, coming into the last week of the regular season, Montana State has nine wins, so I'm pretty sure, I'm not pretty sure, I'm certain they're in the playoffs, and I, I'm pretty sure they probably already have a playoff seed. Montana, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, and Sacramento State all have eight victories. I've heard forever and ever and ever that if you have eight wins, Wins, and their Division one wins, they are in the playoffs. Yet I still remain skeptical the Big Sky is going to get five teams in. I'm also hearing all sorts of scuttle. That the Missouri Valley might be five or even six teams into the playoff bracket. I guess a two-part question. Do you believe the hype that the Big Sky might get five teams in the playoffs? And if the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky both are getting five or six in, is that feasible? Is that possible?
3: I think you're likely, very, very likely going to see five Big Sky teams in. Um, and you listed them off, but I mean Montana State and Montana are, are both locks, no matter what happens on Saturday. UC Davis, in my opinion, uh, is a lock. They have eight wins and FBS win. Eastern Washington is definitely a lock, even if they, you know, get upset by. Portland State and then Sacramento State, uh, I think, it is, is is locked in uh, as well. They have they have eight Division One wins. They have a big win against Montana. If you put Montana in the bracket, which will happen, then I think the Hornets have to be in as well. And so I would be shocked if five Big Sky teams don't make it in. Uh, I think all five uh, are, are going to be in uh, for sure. And then when it comes to the Valley – I don't think six teams will make it in from the Valley, uh, but I can certainly see five teams in North Dakota State, South Dakota, Southern Illinois, and Missouri State are all locks in my opinion. And then if, if South Dakota State beats UND, I think the Jacks are in. If South Dakota State loses to UND, I think Northern Iowa is going to be in at six and five because Northern Iowa would have three ranked wins uh, against Southern Illinois, Sac State, and also the head-to-head against South Dakota State. And so I think... No matter what happens well, with results, uh, I guess unless Northern Iowa gets upset by, North, or by uh, Western Illinois this weekend, which I don't see happening, uh, no matter kind of what results happen, I, I do think you'll see five Big Sky teams in and five Missouri Valley teams in, which means those two conferences would take eight of the 13 at-large bids.
0: Amazing. The two best conferences in the country for sure, and so it wouldn't be controversial or anything like that, although I do think that we maybe will see some of the non-power conference people maybe yelling and screaming a little bit. But why is it that I always think that Northern Iowa is always right there on the bubble? Am I just making that up in my head, or I feel like they're always like this four-loss team that's almost in the playoffs still?
3: Yeah, they are – Northern Iowa, they schedule really, really tough, uh, which you have to respect. You know, they could easily schedule – one one FBS pay game and then two cupcakes in the non-conference and be two and one heading into the conference uh, season. Uh, but in most cases, Northern Iowa they schedule like either Iowa State or an Iowa and then they schedule a really good FCS opponent, uh, whether it's uh, a Montana or uh, maybe it's a James Madison or a Weber State, uh, and they usually end up losing that game. Uh, and then so they usually enter. The conference slate one and two, uh, which kind of puts them behind the eight ball a little bit. This year has been different for Northern Iowa. Uh, they did lose to Iowa State, but then they beat Sacramento State, uh, which was a, a, a win that's getting better and better because Sac State could, can potentially be a seed. They also beat St. Thomas. And so this year, Northern Iowa, instead of going one and two in the non-conference, they went two and one. But the difference this year is they have some kind of head-scratching losses. They lost to Illinois State, uh, which um, is you know a questionable loss, and that kind of put them into playoff mode. But at the same time, they have beaten South Dakota State. Uh, they have beaten Southern Illinois as well, two highly ranked wins uh, at the time. Um, and then this, recently they just lost to Missouri State, who's a playoff team. And so, yeah, Northern Iowa is – they're always a four-loss team, it seems like. Uh, and a lot of FCS fans hate it, but I, I say every year that a four-loss Northern Iowa team is better than, you know, a 9-2 and two team from the Southern Conference.
0: When it comes to the selection of this, I know that the committee knows the Missouri Valley, the Big Sky Conference, the Colonial Athletic Association, in no particular order are the power conferences when they're coming to determine at-large bids, but how much of the details goes into this? The Missouri Valley is so much more linear because they play everybody, or at least most everybody. The Big Sky, you skipped a bunch of teams. I mean, Sac State, they they do continue to win, but a lot of people would argue that they haven't played anybody since they won in Missoula more than a month ago. Does the committee know that kind of stuff though do they do like schedule analysis and things like that i think so i think they do i hope so <laughs> at least but you know i think they um, i mean i don't
3: it's hard to tell you know how much games the, these committee members actually watch because they're all athletic directors made up made up of each conference uh, that sends an auto bid uh, into the conference, and so you can't expect. Uh, I mean, you, you would hope they watch a lot of FCS games, but at the same time, they're a, they're athletic directors. So I don't know how much you can expect them to watch games for ten hours every Saturday and watch and rewatch games for ten hours on Sundays. I, I hope they do, but I don't I don't know how much they actually do that. So I think they look a lot at resumes, uh, and, and that uh, strength of schedule is a big thing ranked. Wins is a big thing. Uh, FBS wins are really important. Uh, FBS losses are thrown out the window. Uh, you know who you beat, how did you lose? Um, you know stuff like that. that they, they really take into consideration. And so I, I, I do think when they look at a team like Sacramento State, you know they'll see, yeah, they have, you know, they have eight wins right now. None of those wins are really all that great, besides beating Montana. Um, and Montana, that Montana win will carry. Uh, a a lot of weight and so um yeah i I mean even if Sac state wins this weekend that's two top 10 wins uh, against montana and uc davis and so i think that'll carry enough weight for Sac state to get a seed but yeah they do look at you know your overall schedule and who exactly you play
0: eastern washington dropped a couple in a row and then bounced back last week with a win over davis i think that certainly secures a playoff spot for eastern but what's on the line for eastern against portland state this week do you think
3: I think they can rise as far as uh, a five seed, potentially even a four seed, if if let's say Montana does beat Montana State. Uh, I, I can see Eastern Washington rising up to be the number four seed, uh, then Montana and Montana State both kind of in that five, six, seven, or, or eight seed, and so. Uh, Eastern Washington is certainly playing for a seed. I think if they lose to Portland State, they'll be playing in the first round. Uh, They're for sure in the playoffs either way, in my opinion. Uh, But yeah, if they win, you have that FBS win against UNLV. You have two top 10 wins. Uh, two top 10 ranked wins against Montana and UC Davis. That should get them a pretty good seed. I, I don't think they would rise above a Sam Houston or a James Madison or uh, a North Dakota State or even a, a Montana State if Montana State does beat Montana
0: this weekend. Uh,
3: but I, I think if you're Eastern Washington, if you win, you're in that four, four or five seed range.
0: What is the ceiling for Sacramento State? If they beat UC Davis in the Cowsway Classic and they finish undefeated in Big Sky Conference play with nine wins overall, is the Sac State team getting to get a seed?
3: I think they will. I don't think they would get a high seed. You know, I think they would. They would end up behind Sam Houston, uh, NDSU, and James Matson, assuming those three teams win. Uh, you know, Montana State uh, would certainly be a much higher seed if they win. Even. Um, you know, Eastern Washington would be a higher seed uh, if they win. And so I think if Sac, if Sac State wins, they're probably a six, seven or eight seed. Um, I can see them being behind Villanova as well because Villanova would be nine and one against the FCS with a, a win against James Madison. Uh, but Sac State will definitely be a seed uh, if they win because they would be undefeated in the big sky. They would have two highly ranked wins against Montana and uc davis and so the, the committee was for sure seed sac state i, I just don't think it'd be a, a top four seed or even a top five seed
0: and somehow, sort of quietly, UC Davis got off to an 8-1 and start. They did fall last week to Eastern Washington, but they're certainly in the playoffs. They have an FBS win, uh, but they also have that loss at Idaho State, which is probably the worst loss of those top five Big Sky teams. Maybe some could argue Weber State winning at Eastern Washington, but Weber's the four-time defending champions, whereas Idaho State's a one-win team. That's their only victory so far this year. But where are we at with UC Davis? If they take care of business against Sac State in the Cosway Classic, what is the dominoes that fall after that? I think
3: basically that game will decide who's the seed and who's in the first round. Uh, If UC Davis wins, I do think they're a seed because they would be nine and two. That FBS win uh, against Tulsa will carry a a lot of weight. to then, you know, that that you tack on a a top 10 win uh, against uh, Sacramento State. And so I think if UC Davis wins, they're a seed, and Sac State is playing in the first round. And then, you know, basically vice versa. If Sac State wins, like I said, they're a seed, and then UC Davis is going to be playing in the first round. Um, I I think both teams are are already in the field, you know, as it is. And so this game will have a seed on the line.
0: Sam Herder joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Alpine Touch. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. You can visit alpinetouch.com to get all the awesome spices that they have available for all your grilling needs, whether you're tailgating or hunting, camping, whatever. Alpine Touch is great. Even Ryan Tutel, my old ESPN partner, he says he puts it on his cereal It's so good. Whatever you want to use it for, go to alpinetouch.com. Get yourself a Grand Slam package or maybe a thing of barbecue sauce. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Sam, let's talk about Weber State quickly. Were you Surprised by the fact that they went 0-5 at home to start the season at the, and that they are not in the playoff race out of the Big Sky Conference.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I know when I've done game predictions for some of Weaver State's games, I would always point to uh, they're really good uh, home record. They, they rarely lose at home uh, before this season, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, losing that many times uh, at home to not win, uh, you know, a home game uh, this year, uh, I, I don't think – yeah, I think all – home games they've lost this year uh, actually and so that that's a, a big time surprise you know i think they'll they'll Get one this weekend at home uh, against Northern Colorado, uh, and so they could end the year on a high note, I guess. But yeah, for Weber State to miss the playoffs after making the quarterfinals a couple of times, semifinals a couple of years ago, uh, Weber not making the playoffs was a big time surprise. Uh, but but I mean, it's interesting because this is kind of just how the landscape of the FCS is. Weber State schedules a cupcake instead of James Madison. Right now they're six and four, and then if they beat Northern Colorado, they finish seven and four. And then potentially we could have Weber State in the playoffs as well with, with seven wins. But instead, they, they schedule tough. They lose to James Madison, probably are going to finish six and five and miss the playoffs. And so that's just the, the weird dynamic of the FCS. Do you want to schedule cupcakes if you play a tough conference schedule? Or do you want to schedule tough opponents in the non-conference uh, and hope to beef up your resume for a high seed? And, you know, obviously losing to James Madison uh, hurt uh, Weber State in their playoff hopes.
0: The fact is, you have two really good rivalry games the last weekend of the season here for Big Sky Conference teams. The Cosby Classic between UC Davis and Sac State, and of course the rivalry game between Montana State and Montana. Seems to me that win or lose either of those games, all four of those teams are going to the playoffs. The question is, is that a good thing for the Big Sky? I lean toward the fact that it is, but I also think that the fact is that if the league continues to get three, four, five teams in, I think that there's also probably a chance that None of those teams are going to be true, true national championship contenders, but I'm sort of waffling back and forth. Is it good or bad that there's uh, multiple rivalry games the last weekend of the season in which, win or lose, everybody's going to continue playing?
3: Yeah, you can look at it a, a lot of different ways. You know, I, It, it kind of depends how the committee... Uh, views things. I know as far as pollsters and people that vote on polls, it's a lot of what have you done for me lately, where if you, if you if you lose early, then you keep on winning, you tend to rise back up. And if you lose late, you kind of, you know, you drop and you don't have enough time to rise back up as far as the top 25 polls. Uh, but, you know, playoff positioning and playoff seeds are a lot different than, uh, than than polls. And that's kind of the entire picture. So even if, in my opinion, even if you lose late, um, you know, I don't think that should drop you that far down. Like that's even if Montana state loses, I don't think that should mean the Bobcats also drop way down in the seeds. I still think they should be a, a pretty decent seed when you look at their entire uh, resume as a whole. So yeah, playing these games this late can potentially hurt, you know, big sky teams and where they kind of position themselves in the playoffs. You know, but at the same time, it's interesting with the big sky and that obviously not all the teams play each other. And so with the regionalization of the brackets, you know, if Montana or, you know, UC Davis, you know, if they end up playing in the first round or if a Sacramento State ends up playing in the first round, uh, you know, you could potentially see two big sky teams playing each other in the first round as long as they didn't play each other during the regular season and so in my opinion if Montana loses on Saturday they're playing in the first round if UC Davis loses they're playing in the first round since those two didn't play each other in the regular season it will not surprise me at all to see Montana and UC Davis play in the first round uh, against each other and then get sent to another big sky team you know just because of the regionalization which is unfortunate because you're basically saying, well, there's for sure going to be two Big Sky teams eliminated in the first two rounds uh, due to regionalization. But That's just kind of you know how things work with the Big Sky being out on an island. And I know the Valley and Big Sky teams get matched up quite a bit as well because they're not going to send – in the first or second round, they're not going to send Holy Cross all the way across the country to play Eastern Washington.
0: Well, let's talk about the one – in missoula on saturday for a moment in time when montana lost to sac state and they were sitting at one and two in league play i think people thought that montana was suffering an extreme version of the fbs win hangover after they had beat washington earlier in the year and uh, there was a lot of scuttle i'm obviously in missoula and around montana all the time and uh you know some of the great fan bases in the country when stuff like this starts to go awry they freak out I know North Dakota State really hasn't even had to deal with that the last 10 years because they just never lose (laughs) but uh, it it is fascinating to watch just the ebbs and flows and the the polarization of the attitudes of people that follow Grizz football but Montana now is on a four game winning streak I think they've given up 19 points total during those four games people could argue that the offense that they've been playing have not been great but you can only shut out the team that you're playing that's as good as you can do so Montana's defense definitely been rolling this last month or so and montana state they found just a variety of ways to win it started and ended with their defense but they've also uh come up with some big plays from some premier playmakers so before we get into sort of the ramifications of this game sam what's your what's your overall take on the matchup that'll take place in missoula on saturday
3: well, I, I mean, I certainly think it's going to be a defensive battle. You know, both both defenses are, are, are lights out, uh, really disruptive uh, defensive defensive lines. Uh, I think you just look at, you know, all, all the starting linebackers between these two teams, and there's a, a ton of star power uh, there as well. And I, I think both secondaries have been, have been pretty solid uh, as well. And so I think I don't expect a whole lot of points. You know, maybe both teams are in the low 20s. You know, maybe the winning team is in the low twenties, the losing team is around seventeen point ten versus the Sacramento State type of game where maybe there's a lot of points uh, put on the board. It'll be a defensive battle. Um, I, I don't know how much offensive success either team will have. Uh, I know Montana had a, a pretty rough October offensively, but with Cam Humphrey back now on the offense offense getting healthier. They've looked much improved. I just don't know how much they can threaten Montana State's defense, especially with a, you know, a relatively inexperienced and beat-up offensive line. Um, and on the flip side, too, you know, I, I know Montana State is obviously a lot more balanced than they, than what they have been, uh, the Bobcats. Well, with Matt McKay at uh, quarterback, I, I think they have a much better passing attack than what they have in past seasons. Um, but, I mean, I Fonse is, is day-to-day, it sounds like, battling general soreness, I think is how it was, how it was described. Uh, but, I mean, he, he'll play. He'll, I would be shocked if he sits out. And he's, he's certainly one of the best running backs in the FCS. You know, I, I just don't know. I, it's hard to see him running wild against this Montana rushing defense. Um, the Grizzlies are a little more gettable through the air. Um, you know, compared to their rushing defense. And so maybe Montana State can get some uh, success through the air. Uh, but overall, I think it's going to be hard for either of these teams to have long, sustained drives against really good defenses. And so it's pro- it might come down to a big special team's return or maybe whoever hits that big play first, uh, that could be the difference between a win and a loss.
0: Well, let's talk about the ceiling for the winner of this game, then. Um, I think that Montana State could get as high as the three seed. I think if Montana won and other things went their way, they might be the four or the five. But what do you think? What, what is the ceiling for seeding for each potential winner of this game?
1: I
3: honestly think Montana State is going to be a top-two seed uh, if they win. Uh, they would be 10-0 against the FCS. Uh, two top-ten ranked wins against Eastern Washington and Montana, Uh, You can throw in Weber State as a ranked win as well, although it's kind of up in the air on what the committee values more: wins against ranked opponents at the time of the game, or wins against opponents that are now ranked. Because Weber State is obviously uh, not a ranked team anymore, but they were. I think they were number 19 when Montana State won uh, or beat Weber State. And so I think Montana State would have the best resume playoff resume. Uh, If they win, I think Montana State arguably could be the number one seed. I don't think that would necessarily happen just because even though Sam Houston has a not great strength of schedule, they are the defending national champs. They are undefeated. They do have every returning starter coming back. And so I think Sam Houston uh, will be the one seed. And Montana State's in my opinion, it should be the two seed if the Bobcats do win because they would be undefeated against the FCS, and I think they would have a better resume than James Masson or North Dakota State, who would also be fighting you know, for that number two seed.
0: He's Sam Herter, FCS Senior Analyst for Hero Sports. Sam, I know it's a big weekend, man. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we will look very much forward to seeing you on Saturday in Missoula.
3: Sounds good with me. I look forward to getting there and seeing all you guys.
4: FEEL <smart noise> COMPLETELY the Inside the Den is powered by Blackfoot Communications, the official digital partner of Grizzly Athletics. Experience more at home with Blackfoot. Learn about their reliable DSL broadband internet with dedicated bandwidth. Now to get more out of your home internet, visit blackfoot.com or give them a call at 866- 541-5000. The week is finally here. I can't believe it. I keep repeating it because it's been 103 weeks Unreal. since the Grizz and the Cats have played on the gridiron and one of the biggest brawls ever about to take place in Missoula this Saturday. When you talk about Montana and Montana State football, there's one guy that comes to mind it's my good friend Coulter Nuanez from Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula we had this plan weeks in advance to come here on this Monday to record this Coulter. first off can you believe the week is finally here
0: it's crazy sitting in this press box with you right now pleasure being here man but welcome to my office that's right there was a moment in time When I was sitting here writing query letters for the next book I was going to write, I was sitting here (laughs) thinking about going to law school, maybe getting into wine sales. I don't know. I thought sports was over. I thought we were never going to have this again. (laughs) So to have it is unbelievable. It's almost surreal. It hasn't even really sunk in yet, but this all played out almost exactly how we thought it was going to, and what an exciting day it's going to be on Saturday.
4: No doubt about it. What's this week like for you, and maybe how has it evolved through your journey through sports media? I know for both of us Montana guys that grew up and get a taste of this rivalry, but now in the positions that we're in, this week just is different. In every sense of the word, what's it like from your chair?
0: Well, it's definitely different. I think that the amount of distractions that exist in the world this day and age are so uh, enormous. Yeah, and so the mitigation of distraction has become one of the primary parts of coaching. I remember, you know, as recently as like 2013, I'm getting Grizz players' cell phone numbers and calling them. <laughs> you know, and like it was all good. And and I, I don't. I, I think we actually could go back to that. I think there's a little bit too much of a concern on that kind of stuff. I think these guys are mature enough to be able to handle it. But regardless, now it's like. Captains only, both sides. You're going to get very little in terms of content. But the thing that I love is kind of replacing that content because I don't necessarily expect a lot of the coaches and players in this game to say that much. I love talking to all the people that have been a part of it before, though. So, like teas for later this week, we got all sorts of sweet guests coming on uh, Nuana's now, and so I mean that's kind of exactly what I like about it—is sort of the the reunion uh, nature of the rivalry.
4: That's a great way of saying it because let's just call it what it is—it's pretty vanilla out of both teams' camps exactly, this week. Right. And a plug, obviously, SkylineSportsMT.com—your one-stop shop. Culture Gate, great game primer already on Sunday—that goes to show you. But it's a great primer kind of into this week. ESPN Missoula nuanas is now—we'll be on on Monday, of course, but great guests throughout the week there. I gotta go in because you cover both teams all year long, and I remember sitting in your studio in July, August, when we were going through the Big Sky Media, and Cats-Grizz, Grizz-Cats, 1-2 all the way throughout. So I have to ask you this at 9-1 and 8-2 and, and, and both in the top seven, are you surprised at all by anything that's happened for both teams here in the regular season? I think that the the docket is
0: about exactly what I thought. I thought maybe Montana State would split their two road games coming into this one, but they didn't. They they beat Weber State and they won at Eastern Washington. And so maybe one win better than I expected, but I expected the Cats to be very good. I also expected the Grizz to be very good as well. The Grizz were playing with house money when they beat Washington, rescinded then when they lost here to Sac State. But all things considered, both tic- both teams have their tickets punched to the playoffs already, and that's the scenario you want. It's been 10 years since that was the case, where it's both teams. No one needs to win to get in, but if you do, you're a top-four seed at the very least. So this is what we all want for this game always, and credit to both these teams. I actually think credit to the players for sure, but also credit to the coaching staffs. I think that Brent Vegan taking over for a personality like Jeff Choate and really, not getting in the way at all, not screwing up anything. Just let his players make plays. Been a great coaching job. I would vote Bobby Houck as the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year. I know that it's not going to be him. No, <laughs> it's going to be Troy Taylor or maybe Brent Vegan. Could be. You know, um, maybe Dan Hawkins. It's Bobby Houck, man. They haven't had anybody to play, and they keep winning. You know this better than anybody. When when the Grizz aren't in sync, even if they're winning, the pressure that comes from this community—it's what makes Grizz football great. It is also unbelievably exhausting for you and I. Oh. So I can't imagine what it's like for guys that are actually involved in this stuff. And so to be able to st- steady the ship after losing to Sac State, sitting at one and two in league play, Bobby Hawk's never been one and two in league play, ever. To be able to steady the ship and now come in this thing, not having lost in a month. It's been a hell of a coaching job, man.
4: Really good way of putting it. And the pressure, and you're right, everything, all the good feels after Washington, erased after Sac State, where the, the world's falling in, or Grizz, the Grizz going to make the playoffs. What, what's going on? And they have steadied the ship. They are on a four-game winning streak. The Cats, of course, have won nine games in a row. What I think is fascinating about this matchup too, Coulter, the teams are kind of mirror images of each other as far as strength sure. and how they, how they go, how they're victorious throughout the, the year. And i got to start – on the defensive side of the ball. How would you compare both defenses as far as style, uh, the, the the strengths of their defenses, maybe individuals that stand out? I'll leave the floor open to you just to talk about the defenses in this matchup. Well, I
0: think that the, the aggressiveness and the ferocity of the Montana defense is unparalleled because of the way that they bring the heat Never stop bringing the heat. What the Grizz do, it's very exotic and complex, but it's also not complicated in the fact that that's what they do, period. There's no mistaking it. They're bringing it at you all game long. And these last couple weeks, I mean, I think the fact that Marcus Wellnell started out at such a high, and then he started getting picked on a little bit. He's really come back to being an all-league type player. Patrick O'Connell looks fully healthy. And oh, by the way, the guy who's supposed to be the linchpin of the entire defense, Jace Lewis, just played his best game, maybe of his life, on Saturday. Then you throw in the way that they have diversified the scheme with moving Rod Bobby all over the place, the, the contributions their corners have made. It's been about as good as you would expect Montana to be, and I know they expect it to be very good. And on the Bobcat side of things, from I think they have the best defensive front in the league. The individual talent is is so tremendous with Chase Benson there on the inside, Daniel Hardy and Andre Williams on the outside, Troy Anderson roaming around. I mean, first month of the season, I was worried Troy Anderson was still hurt, and I was also worried he was playing the wrong position. Last month of the season, he's first-team All-League linebacker. No question about it. That's how fast he learns. That's what kind of athlete he is. But I think that probably the keys for both these teams were the additions they made in the secondary in the off season, the longest off season of all time. Jeez. The fact that Montana brought in such great contributors like Justin Ford and Omar Hicks Anu at corner – Montana State, not only the transfer safeties that they brought in, Jeffrey Manning and Trey Webb, but also contributions they've gotten from their young corners. Most people that are listening to this right now don't know who Simeon Woodard is. That's how good he's been because no one knows who he is. He's a true freshman from San Antonio, Texas. I don't know if there's ever been a kid from San Antonio that's played in this rivalry period. He hasn't gotten picked on at all, though. He's been almost non-noticeable because he's been very good, and usually wow. that's the spot where teams might attack. So I think that the secondaries have been the key to then both these teams' ability to stop the road run rush the passer put pressure on it and then of course take away the football
4: when well, you know through 10 games in the season good coaches will identify weaknesses try and attack them clearly that hasn't happened on either one of these defenses all year long they've been stout they're both in the top five in the country pretty much every statistical category defensively how about historically good I mean when you talk let's focus in just on the grizzly defense side of things watch grizzly football for a long time where would you maybe rank this defense and I know that maybe what happens now and in December is going to really put the exclamation point on where they're at in history but where would you put it? maybe historically good?
0: Well, I think that the, um, I've heard from Grizz fans for a long time What happened to the crazy pipeline of pass rushers? Because forever and ever, I mean, there was dudes that were ranking in the top 10 in sacks in the league every year that weren't even starting for Montana because they had so many guys. I mean, I don't even know if Lance Spencer ever even started. He's like in the top 10 in school history in sacks. Dustin DeLuey, he was just a bench pass rusher, you know? That's because they were playing behind guys like Andy Piedic and Mike Murphy, and there's just so much talent off the edge. The fact that this day and age in college football, the guy who puts his hand in the dirt and goes and gets 10 sacks is so rare because you can get the ball out so fast. You can have so many different snap counts, RPOs, mobile quarterbacks, all that stuff. The fact that Montana has remade the concept of the edge, and then they found the guy to do it with Patrick O'Connell, I think Patrick O'Connell's having one of the great seasons in Montana history. The fact that he went from walk-on to what he's doing now, it's unbelievable, man. He is the alpha dog when he's on the field, and everybody knows it, and that's such a huge advantage for Montana. But then you look at Montana State, they have a similar story in their edge guy. Daniel Hardy, when he first got recruited to Montana State, I was like, why are they recruiting this guy, man? He's 200 pounds. He can't play on the front seven. Well, he's not 200 pounds anymore. He's 240 pounds. He plays with a much, as much aggressiveness and as much heart as any defensive lineman in the country. So I think the emergence of those two guys have been so key. But, you know, it's so hard to rank these teams in terms of the, the historical magnitude, but but they're right there, man. I really do think that both these teams are if – the, if the Grizz – The Grizz are like one interior guy away from being... Uh, absolutely all-time good, but that's not to say anything about a- Alex Governor, because I think he's actually been one of the most underrated players in the league. So I think I think that these two teams, are they're right up there. You want to know what's going to define the answer to that question? Let's hear it. What happens on Saturday?
4: You're right, and that's what makes this game so great, and I think that this is a conversation that we'll probably revisit in the month of January as well. We're talking with Coulter Nuanez here on the Inside the Den podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Of course, he does everything at ESPN Missoula as well. Check out Nuanez now, the show all week. It'll be great guests, so much content when it comes to this matchup and This rivalry being played for the 120th time. And no, we're not calling it the Brawl of the Wild here on this. We will not do that. It's the Grizz-Cat game or the (laughs) Cat-Grizz game as far as I am concerned. Let's go to the other side of the ball because everyone's going to talk about the defense. And you'll hear it all week. First one to 10 wins. First one to 17. Who knows? There's a lot of things that can happen. Turnovers, X-Factors, big plays. Let's go offensively because I think, again, you can kind of see mirror images of both teams because at times they've been inconsistent. At times they've left a lot to be desired. But at the same time, there's games where you're thinking, man, they're explosive. So where do you maybe rank both offenses and kind of how do you see that matchup playing out on both sides here? Well,
0: the Grizz are a hell of a lot better on offense the last couple weeks than they were before that. I think that's a testament to the fact they got their senior quarterback back. Yeah. I was rewatching the Grizz game last night. There's so many things that go into the narrative around a team and a position and all that. Cam Humphrey is not Eric Berry. That's fine because he's not Eric Berry. Somehow, then he's like underrated or something. I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I'm watching this guy and he's a very good quarterback. Very good. And when he's playing well, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Montana's not trying to win like that, but Cam Humphrey can win.
4: He can win games. He's ten and one as a starter. Exactly.
0: And so I just think that they've reemerged. I think that the fact that he's more healthy and that he can you can kind of see that the time is now. Um, I think that that's huge for Montana. I expect them to get more guys back. I mean, Xavier Harris being back helps. Isaiah Childs getting back helps. They don't have to have a feature back. They can do it by committee. When they had to have the feature back be the 165-pound freshman receiver, that's not great. (laughs) So uh, I do think that just the renewed health is good. I think that Sammy Kim is kind of turning it on down the stretch here in his senior year as well. Uh, But probably the X-Factor weapon has been the emergence of Cole Grossman. We loved him in fall camp. We thought he was going to be really good. And now he's kind of taking the bull by the horns. He is a matchup nightmare. So if he can continue to play well, that's pretty darn good for Montana.
4: How about Montana State side of things? Obviously, Isaiah Fonse takes the headlines. Expect him to play this week. I know everyone got a little bit... Wild after Saturday's game against Idaho when he left the game. But just as far as the Cats offensively with Matt McKay this year at quarterback, Isaiah Fonson, for maybe Grizz fans that are just dialing in a little yep. bit more, just in general, give us a, a scope of Montana State offensively.
0: Well, I think that they got two of the best offensive linemen in the league. That's Taylor Sopo, who's a guard, and Lewis Kidd, who's a tackle. I do think that they'll probably, if Session, it sounds like TJ Session, the right tackle who's a retro freshman, won't be able to go. I expect them to reshuffle the lineup a little bit. Taylor Tuiasasopo, this is the irony of the situation. Their run game is actually better when Session is out. He's been out earlier this year because Tuiasasopo is a better power tackle, but they miss a lot of things otherwise when that happens. So it does influence the game plan, but I do think that uh, those two guys are sort of the, the anchor of what they do, but – Matt McCutcheon, that's why I love this game this year, because there's so many great stories of guys. They had extra time to think about embracing their final run, and we've seen it on both sides. I know O'Connell still has time left, but, you know, Jace Lewis and and some of these guys stepping up. But on on the Bobcat side of things, Lance McCutcheon is one of the great stories I've ever covered. The guy basically was a a glorified blocking tight end for his first three years of his career, and he basically went out to – to try to shatter all the single-season records, and he's making a good run at it. I never thought in my life that I would see this iteration of the Cats have the leading receiver in the conference. I didn't think that was ever going to happen again. I didn't know they'd throw the football. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like They haven't had a guy with more than 500 yards in a decade. Man. And so he, I mean, the fact that McCutcheon is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, he is uh, one of the biggest matchup problems in the entire league. And so I think that the, the thing that defines the Bobcats is they have a couple elite talents – And they follow those guys all the way to the promised land. That's what they want to do on both sides of the ball. Ride their horses – as far as they can ride them. And uh, if Alfonso is back, which I expect him to play, McCutcheon's healthy, I mean, there's no mis- there's no mistaking what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to get the ball to those guys. That's it. That's all. Everybody in the league knows it. Nobody's been able to stop it so far this year.
4: A couple more for you before we wrap this up, talking with Colton Nuanez from SkylineSportsMT.com, ESPN, Missoula as well. Breaking down this matchup was just fascinating across the board. So much for playoff implications for the Cats. I think if they win, they're a top-two seed and won't yep. have to leave Bozeman on their way to Frisco. For the Grizz, if they win, no doubt a bye. And you know it sounds crazy right now? They have an outside chance to maybe get a top-four seed. That's with not a- crazy to me at all. I, I think they beat an
0: FBS team, and win nine games in this Big Sky Conference. I think that you absolutely get a top-four seed. And beat
4: the top number-three a- team exactly. in the country in the final way in. So I mean, I
0: think that one of the best things that happened to the Grizz playoff hopes is the fact that Montana State won at Eastern Washington a couple weeks ago. I think so, too. Because if you come and beat the number-three team in the country, it vaults you. There's no way that they, they can't get a top-four seed if they beat Montana State at home. I mean, MSU is four minutes of game time away from being undefeated and number one team in the country. So if they can take care of business against that team, I think it vaults the Grizz high in the playoff rankings.
4: And with that being said, I still think, even on this side of the coin, I think Montana State's locked up a bye. Even with the loss here, they should be in that six, seven, eight range as well. I think that both teams will get buys so no matter what happens on Saturday. Wow, that's a big-time call. We will see as... Both are in the top seven, at least right now, playoff committee meeting right now as well throughout the course of the week. We look at position matchups to watch. I, I love asking Coach Hauck this question each week. Yep. With you knowing both teams so well like you do, what would you say maybe is the position matchup to watch or maybe a couple?
0: Well, I think that the fact that the Grizz defense is so aggressive, that ha- the one deficiency of it has been not being gap sound. Montana State runs gap scheme. That's why you've seen the Cats run the ball for 300 yards plus the last four times these two teams have played. Patience for both sides of that matchup. Can the Cat, young offensive lineman, not get confused by all the chaos that Montana causes both pre- and post-snap? But then on the other side, uh, can the Grizz have enough discipline to not let the big gash plays happen? It's it's a little bit of a different offense than it was the last couple of years. So, it's it's not as bad a matchup as it was for the Grizz. I also expect the Grizz to adjust a bunch of stuff. But, uh, you know, to me, the matchups in this come down to a lot of the members of these two teams that have never played in this. In other words, Matt McKay, the quarterback for the Bobcats. You can have all the best game plan you ever wanted. He might just melt down in the middle of this stadium. Or not. He might rise to the occasion. You never know. And, you know, on the other side, though, I, th- I do think that the Grizz have probably less of that type of scenario because they don't have... A, I mean, Cam Humphrey's been, been around this a little bit, and he's solid and and so I I don't know I think that the Grizz stop in the run like they have all year because that's what Montana State's going to want to do but then on the other side can the banged up Montana offensive front handle the cat defense I mean if you're Bobby Hauk you're, you're just coaching Brandon Casey up all the way saying hey buddy we need your absolute best game of your life because Amandre Williams and Daniel Hardy, they're not taking any prisoners against a freshman right tackle.
4: You know that they're going to try and pick on that right tackle as well. This is going to be a fascinating matchup along all lines and potentially maybe the biggest Cat Cat Grizz game ever. Right, Colton? It is
0: absolutely one of for sure. It's the biggest one since 2011 for sure. That week Montana State was number one in the country and Montana came in and just destroyed them. It was one of the shocking results that I've seen. Um, But, I mean, it ranks right up there. I mean – in 2002, when the Cats won here to end the streak against the defending national champions, that was a pretty huge one. But that was a big game retrospectively after it had happened, right? That's a true freshman quarterback in Travis Lulay coming in here. It was You wouldn't have said that was one of the biggest games ever at that moment going into the week because it was just sort of an upstart Cat team versus a reigning national champion Grizz team. So in terms of hype in the modern era, this is it. I think this is the most hyped and uh, most paramount matchup we've seen, at least in the last I'd say 30 years.
4: Well, we can't wait. Saturday at noon will be the kickoff between the Grizz and the Cats. Colter Nuanas from MT.com and ESPN Missoula. Great work all week long. Cannot wait to be part of the show today and listen to your show all week long. Thanks for hopping on this, and let's enjoy this week. It's the best one of the year. I yeah, appreciate you having me, man.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: So you sad college game day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College game day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, stick on down and hang out with me, Colton Juarez, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College game day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning
4: at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there.